Before we get started, I'm going to shout out CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers in Fayetteville, and I'm going to let Keith talk to you guys a little bit about what he does. Daddy, are we going to the game today? We sure are, baby girl. Are you excited? Yes, but I'm already hungry. Well, why don't we stop by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers and grab a burger and a shake on our way to the game? Yay, I was hoping you'd say that. Their burgers are the best. CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers serve fresh, quality burgers, hand-cut fries, shakes, and malts for the best pre-game and post-game meal to cheer on the hogs in every season. When all you do are burgers, they have to be the best. CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers, now open on Weddington Drive in Fayetteville. All right, now, and before we talk about, you know, getting drafted by the Cubs in 2018 and committing to the University of Arkansas and playing for Coach Dave Van Horn, Let's go through those early years of life before um, those big events happened. Now, tell me about where you were born, um, where you grew up, where you went to school. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I uh, I was born on a snowy night, snowy Wednesday night in uh, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, 1997. Uh, you know, lived in Fayetteville my entire life. I went to Shiloh Christian. Graduated from there in 15, and then uh, was lucky enough to have the opportunity to come play for the U of A. There you go. So talk about um, your high school career with Shiloh and talk about some moments that stick out to you. Okay. So uh, in high school, you know, most people think, you know, you came to play at Arkansas, you, uh, you know, you played quite a bit, whatever, got drafted, all that kind of stuff. You probably played since you were a freshman or you probably were, you know, were great in high school. Well, not exactly. Uh, I was a super late bloomer. I was like five foot one my freshman year. So that, that doesn't make varsity. Uh, that doesn't play. Um, but by my sophomore year, I was like five, seven kind of was in the conversation. Didn't make the team again. JV shortstop got, got demoted to the, uh, JV B team shortstop. And I finally was like, man, I've got a good arm. You know, I think I could pitch. Um, I had kind of had to shut it down. So when I was 12 years old, going back a little bit here, uh, but when I was 12 years old, the doctor was like, you'll never pitch again. Uh, you've got a lot of scapular winging, just kind of the way your arm works. You're just never going to be able to pitch. I would, you know, hang that dream up and, you know, try to hit, try to play shortstop, try to be an outfielder or whatever. Um, so coming back to 10th grade, um, I was like, man, you know, I, I've got a pretty good arm. Uh, I feel like I can throw it pretty good. I should just try to get out there on the mound, just see if I can make the high school team. If I blow my arm out, it's not like I was playing anyways, you know? So, uh, get out there second half of my sophomore year, finally get to, uh, be on the varsity and I pitched pretty well. And so people kind of started taking notice a little bit and then junior year came back, had another really nice year. And then finally, you know, uh, offers started coming through and then eventually committed to the Hawks. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the, for the people that don't know, what is the college baseball recruiting scene like? Like how is it a lot of summer league stuff right. or just talk about that a little bit? So, you know, for most guys, it's going to be summer ball or they'll go to camps or they'll go to showcases or whatever. And usually you can kind of figure out who's going to be good when they're a sophomore or junior or whatever. 
me being such a late bloomer, I was a guy that just barely kind of snuck in. Um, I had been told that summer, my junior year, um, or the summer after my junior year of high school, that it was like, hey, you know, Hogs just signed Weston Rogers, which is one of my buddies. Uh, but they, so Hogs signed Weston Rogers. They're done for the class of, uh, you know, 15 high school grads. So, you know, that dream's over, you know, just, just try to get somewhere else, right? Um, so for me, uh, you know, the, the day that um, college coaches can call, you know, prospective future student athletes is, I think it's, it's either June 1st or July 1st, I don't remember. But I joked with my, with my guys on my travel ball team, I was like, man, yeah, I got, uh, got two calls on June 1st. And it was like, oh, really? Yeah, who from? Who from? I was like, well, I got one from my mom and I got one from my grandma. <laughs> I was like, because uh, all my buddies were committed. And, and I was like, man, I just really, really, really want somebody to come along um, that'll give me an offer. Just give me a chance to play somewhere. Um, so the first team that, that came along was uh, Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts and Baylor actually both called me on the same day. And you know, they were just like, Hey, come out to camp where we, you know, we're excited about you. We'd like to see you throw a little bit. And so I did, and I started signing up for a lot of these camps. I went to Arkansas camp, uh, Oklahoma state, Baylor, K-State, all these places or whatever. And then, um, you know, later that, at the end of that summer, I, I would leave these camps or whatever. And they, they would pull me into the office and say, Hey, you know, we've got a, got a spot for you, or we could, we could do a scholarship or something. And so, you know, I always wanted to go to Arkansas, but, uh, I was I was kind of I was pretty excited about Wichita State because uh, I really liked everything that they had going on up there. So I kind of told some people, and I think it got to DVH, and he heard, which you know obviously you can't really have a former assistant recruiting right out from under your nose. So that was kind of I feel like the way that I got to school up here, uh, which just because I don't think uh, DVH really wanted Butler to come in and kind of uh, steal me right out from under. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was how my story worked. He gave me a call on a Thursday and he said, hey, you know, I'd like to talk to you, come to your house and talk to you about being a Razorback. We live about 45 seconds apart. So he just kind of <sighs> hopped in the car, drove over and uh, came and talked to us. All right. So one thing that people probably don't know about you, you were a valedictorian at Shiloh High School. I, I, I was a valedictorian. I was. I used to be smart. <laughs> <laughs> so did, did you did you gain any nicknames um in the locker rooms maybe something about being a valedictorian or being smart like what were some of your nicknames playing playing baseball nobody ever really uh got on to me too too bad for being a being a nerd or anything so i never had any crazy ones like that mm -hmm. uh, the one nickname i got was hammer from coach johnson okay uh, back when he was here and it was just because he liked my slider, yeah. so yeah, yeah, that was that was the story there. Yeah. Is that is your slider? Is that your favorite pitch? Um, probably. Yeah. It's probably the one I, I rely on the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I watched I watched an interview with you and Alyssa Orange back in yeah. I think it was 2018, and you had Gosh. said back then that your favorite pitch was a slider. So I was just making sure to hold years still, later. hold yeah. still. Yeah. yeah, I'm still uh, consistent in that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would say so. Yeah. All right. So now in your timeline, we've committed to Arkansas. Um, what was your freshman year like? Uh, bad. It was rough. Uh, we were terrible. I think we went 26 and 28. We were supposed to be really good. Um, you know, we had a lot of guys that were big draft guys, guys that threw hard. Um, and we were supposed to be great. Mm -hmm. And we just started the season really hot. I think we started out like 17 and three or something. And then proceeded to, you know, <laughs> 
lose a lot of games. I think we won seven SEC games that year, and that's tough, man. Play 30 of them, losing 23 SEC games. Oh. And I, I don't want to bring it up, but I, I think that was the same year that they, you guys ended the year on a, a monumental losing streak. Yeah, like, yeah, it was really bad. I don't know how, like four, know. 13, 14, 17. I, well, here was the deal. A&M rolled into town. So we had won six SEC games. A&M rolled into town. They were ranked number one. You know, so we were obviously excited to play, you know, as excited mm-hmm. as you can be as a, yeah. you know, 27 or 8 <sighs> loss team at that point. Um, but we were on, I think, maybe an 11 or 12 game SEC skid. Man, it was just like, <laughs> wake up, hop on the plane, get swept. Everybody's mad. Come back. It was it was kind of a, a tough situation, um, but you know we turned everything around. Yeah, yeah. that was okay. But yeah. but we were able to actually steal a game, I believe, from A and M that weekend mm-hmm. uh, to get our seventh SEC win. Yeah. But yeah, man, there was a massive skid in there. Yeah, yeah. How was so? Everybody looks up to Dave Van Horn and calls him the goat. Yes. Um, during that year specifically, when you guys were going through a lot of challenges, what is a coach like Dave Van Horn telling the team? What's what's his character like? He, um, you know, he was a guy uh, during that year. I don't. He. I don't. Definitely, you could tell he wasn't having as much fun um, as he did the years afterwards. I mean, it's fun to win, right? Who everybody's going to have way more fun when they're winning. Um, but he just. It seemed like he knew the talent was there. And he knew that we were putting the work in. We just, everybody, it seemed like we were all just so frustrated. Coaches, uh, everybody on the team, just everybody in general. It seemed like we knew we could do so much more. We knew we were capable of winning a lot more games than we did. Uh, so it was really, it was just frustrating. And it was, um, you know, he didn't give up on us. He, he, he kept, you know, trying to coach through it and, and, and try to get us to pull out yeah. of the, the slump. But it just, it just didn't come that year. It just didn't go our way. Yeah. Do you think going through that really tough year in 2016 kind of helped you guys build for the, your sophomore and junior season in 2017 and 2018? Absolutely. So I think uh, it's really easy um, to be a good teammate and to have good team chemistry and everything when you're constantly winning, you know, popping off mm-hmm. massive winning streaks and, and everybody's playing really well and it's exciting. There's a buzz in the clubhouse. Um, in that same way, it, it's really tough to be in a clubhouse where you're losing a lot. But I think it brought a lot of guys together. And I think we kind of changed the culture um, of what – I mean, obviously, we had a winning culture and everything else. But it, there was a lot more of, um, you know, older guys were uh, – older guys and, and the younger guys didn't get along quite as well as, as we have uh, or as the team has, um, you know, since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we definitely tried to work to incorporate those guys a lot more and, and get them ready to go. And, and Hey, you're, you're, you're a part of this just as much as anybody else. Um, that was kind of a change we consciously made in the locker room as we were going to be, you know, the older guys for the next couple of years. Um, so I think that that has kind of uh, paid dividends in yep. the years since. Yep. So talk about that junior season, the special team that went to Omaha um throughout that entire year what were what are some moments that you'll you'll take from that season and remember for the rest of your life man uh the whole season was really i mean it just it felt like we could do no wrong kind of it just felt like we were the team of destiny you know we were just everything was rolling everybody was pitching really well um you know towards the end i i had a pretty brutal beginning to my junior year i was had like a seven era for through the first month or something um but man, it, it just the run was it was 
magical. There was, there's nothing really like uh, just going out there and rolling over Florida and, and all these teams or in Texas and, and all this stuff in the, in the college world series. It was so fun uh, just to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't a huge factor in Omaha. Uh, I definitely did a lot more of my work kind of helping us get there in that uh, regional game was kind of after that, my arm was just gone. Um, but man, that, that whole season was just so exciting. There were, uh, you know, there were, there were ups and downs and there were times where we went one and two on a weekend or something. Um, but it seemed like everybody was, you know, just chomping at the bit to get back in there and, and set it up and get ready to roll again. Yeah. 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 So talk about as, as a junior in college baseball, it's a much better situation to go pro and declare for the draft. So maybe explain to people why, it seems almost every single junior goes to the draft yeah. instead of waiting for that senior season. Right. So um, <laughs> for the most part, if you're a senior sign, you are not really going to get paid in the draft. It's like, you know, most guys will get you know either nothing, a thousand dollars in a plane ticket mm-hmm. or like five or 10 grand, maybe tops. Um, going as a junior, you do open up the possibility of, you know, you have a little bit of uh a little bit of a bartering chip there. Um, and so you can get a little bit more money in the draft. So that's why typically most guys will go um, either after their sophomore, junior year, whenever they turn 21. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what were the Chicago Cubs? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty legendary organization yeah. uh, to be drafted to. Um, where were you when your name got called? Oh man. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't prepare you for this one. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I think I was, uh, was in a I was in my apartment and my dad was there and I, he had gotten a text from my agent that said hey 17th round Cubs it's a lock don't let him know you know what let him be surprised yeah. of course I mean I was I was down because uh, a lot of teams took my uh, back injury into play a lot when they thought about you know where they would draft me mm-hmm. um, the the round talks and the money talks were very different before you know pre-back injury and post-back injury um so i was like i was, I was very down uh, that i had slipped to to that late uh, mm-hmm. being in the 17th round um but you know once they signed once 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 they drafted me everything you know i was i was elated i was i was really excited yeah it was awesome so when so what what were the moments like or i guess what were the days and weeks like as soon as you got drafted so is it when you get drafted, it's you're autom- automatically shipped to rookie ball, or how was that period kind of like? It was different for us because we were, you know, obviously still in Omaha mm-hmm. and everything. Uh, typically, what they'll do is they'll draft guys. You get there's like a month or something, a window where you can report and get out there, and then you do all your blood work and drug tests and physicals and whatever else, and then and then you will be set up to play wherever. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was we lose the national championship. That night, wake up at 6 a.m. the next day to go down to the hotel bathroom to take a uh, drug test to make sure they can fly me out there. You have to pass to, for them to fly you out. Mm. Uh, obviously, passed it. Uh, they fly me out, I believe, two days after that to Mesa, Arizona. Spent several days doing all the medical work and the vision, you know, EKG and everything else that they had mm. for us. Um, and then I just started... Uh, they kind of put everybody on a, a throwing program for a little bit to make sure you're ready to go. They knew that my arm was kind of dead from a long season yeah. and a lot of innings. Mm-hmm. Um, so they took it easy on me, 
I still ended up getting hurt again, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they, they, they take it pretty easy with guys kind of ease them in. And then typically the progression will go that you'll, you know, if you're, if you're in a team that, that has an Arizona, uh, spring training, then, mm-hmm. then you'll play in the AZL for a few games. And then if you were a high draft pick or a college guy or, you know, older guy, typically they'll send you off to, um, short season mm-hmm. right after that. Yeah. And I'll be honest, that's that's something that has bothered me as a fan. And as a, from a player perspective, yeah. I want you to tell me if I'm right or wrong. But, you know, at the NFL, the Super Bowl is in February, and then the draft is in April. Right. Why, with college baseball, are they do they have the MLB draft in the dead center of Omaha? Beats me. Like, I, could could I they no not idea. just wait <laughs> one week and let all those Omaha guys yeah. just be have it done and over with? And yeah. then... Because I feel like that would be a pretty big distraction. You're in Omaha and guys are getting drafted left and well, right. And- yes. I think two things. So, yes, obviously it would be nice if it was after. And then it would it would be kind of a natural continuation of things. The season ends, the draft happens, just like every other sport, right? Uh, but also I can see where it's kind of nice for guys. To, it's like, yeah, maybe you're still in negotiations for money and stuff if you're a high-round guy. Um at that point in time. So that could be a little bit distracting. But for me, it was like very freeing knowing like, Hey, you know, I've already, the work has been done. I got drafted where I got drafted. I'm going to sign for what I'm going to sign for. Now it's just about going out there and playing baseball. I don't have anything to worry about as far as, well, what's my draft stock going to do today? If Mm -hmm. I go out there and give up, you know, eight earned. Uh, So it, it was pretty freeing. I would say Mm -hmm. for me, at least now I didn't pitch super well, so maybe I should have done that, but that's yeah. beside the point. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been so you went to Arizona. Yes. And then where where'd you go after that? You you mentioned you played for the Eugene Emeralds earlier yeah. before we started. Um and you said that was a summer team, right? That's the that's the uh, short season affiliate, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how many how many different levels of minor league baseball are there? Like all the way to the very bottom? Domestically or just total everywhere? Um, just uh, just domestically. Okay. Yeah. Because under that, there's the Dominican League and the Venezuelan League, which yeah. are also kind of part of it. But, okay, the very, very bottom, lowest of the low is rookie ball. Then it goes short season, A ball, high A, double A, triple A. Okay. And then obviously big leagues after that. Yeah. 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 So you've, you've played a full year in the minor leagues. Yeah. Sort, sort of. Kind of. With, yeah. with injuries around right, it. Right, right. What is I, – I know there's got to be some weird minor league stories. Give me the strangest minor league story. Um, this, better, this better be good. <laughs> well, you know, there's been – there's a lot of wacky stuff that goes on, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on that's, uh, you know, maybe not for a podcast. <laughs> um, but wackiest thing I can say – um, would probably be whenever uh, several of my teammates were playing uh, Search and Destroy in the uh, <laughs> in the hotel with airsoft guns because they thought that was a great idea. Okay, we had guys, you know, those little so in big cities or again, I guess they kind of got them around here now, but um, it, it's moving out across the country. They've got all these scooters, right, that you can rent, and it's by the minute or or by the mile or whatever. I don't know how they do it, mm-hmm. but. Several guys had gotten these and they were riding them around inside the hotel. Uh, you know, these were their vehicles and they were uh, peeking corners. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they got in just massive trouble for that. Um, but it was fun to watch. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was like, man, I know this is not going to end well. But uh, did you partake in the search? I did not. I did, did not. not. I did not. Just in case anybody's listening, I yeah. didn't do it. It wasn't me. <laughs> 
And staying on the same wacky uh, topic, uh, this can date back to Arkansas, but what are some of the weirdest baseball superstitions that maybe, maybe a two-part question, what's, what's one baseball superstition or routine that you've always done, and what's one that you've seen other players and your other teammates do? Okay. Um, I've seen a... I would say, I mean, the weirdest one I've ever seen or the, or the, the most extravagant one I, I actually helped out a little bit in, which was my junior year. And, and I think he did it, you know, after that, mm-hmm. Matt Cronin, obviously getting slapped in the face mm-hmm. before he goes to pitch. That's one of his things. Mm-hmm. And so I would hold up the board where we would write down everybody's, you know, stats and all their ABs and mm-hmm. kind of the, the way we wanted to pitch guys. I'd yeah. hold that board up where the TV couldn't see it and they couldn't see him. Um, so that was definitely uh, the weirdest one or mm-hmm. the, the the most extravagant one that I had seen. Um, personally, I, man, uh, the only one that I'm really, really sold on is my belt has got to be in the third loop. If it's in the fourth uh, loop, second loop, not going to work. First loop, not okay. going to work. Doesn't matter. Has to be the third loop. Uh, there's no getting around that. So even if you have a big meal at CJ's Butcher Boys Burgers, yeah. and you, you can't make that third loop. You got to sure. move to the fourth. Like you're going to do whatever it takes. We'll to figure get to something out. Loop. Yeah, I'll add oh. a little bit. I'll add a little bit of length to the belt. Some of the you know the ones I we wore at Arkansas were not uh, the leather ones. They're like the, yeah. the ones you can adjust. So mm-hmm. I would just I would always just adjust, man. If I had a big burger, I'd just adjust it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And back last question about your the playing days at Arkansas. What was your all time favorite game as a Razorback? Uh, might have to be probably that the regional game that I threw against Dallas Baptist. Mm-hmm. I think it was that Sunday, maybe. Um, got to come in in the first inning with no outs, and then uh, I threw seven innings, and we ended up winning the game four mm-hmm. to three. Heston robbed a home run. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was there was a lot of really cool stuff going on, and the, the atmosphere was electric. Either that or maybe the three a.m. game that was pretty fun too. Got yeah. to throw in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say those two are probably my favorites. Yeah. And then instead of the most memorable moment, you were telling me about the not-so-memorable moment against LSU. Yes. Take, so, take us through that. <laughs> two days. This is uh, pride comes before the fall, I guess. Uh, talk about going from the mountaintop to a, uh, a, a big trough. Mm-hmm. Um, so Friday night, um, I was not expecting to pitch. I was down there uh, on the end of the bench, and basically they were like, hey, Jake, get hot, like right now. Uh, you're going to go in the game. And I was like, oh, great. You know, LSU, Friday night, 15,000 people, everybody's screaming mm-hmm. at you, everything else. I was like, well, this will be fun. Um, but I went out there, was able to close the game out, got the save, everything else. I was excited. It's the the gift you were talking about <sighs> that, uh, that Ryan posts sometimes. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, big fist pump, everything else. I was, I was super jacked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they threw me out there again the next day. And things whew, did not go well. Um, you know, I mean, I felt like I was pitching okay, but just really couldn't find the zone super well. Yeah. I think it was uh, Zach Watson. Um, he rolled over a, a fastball down and in, and the grass was super, super wet. Um, so this was that this was that Saturday game. I, I'm running up to get the ball. I grab it, and both of my feet slip out from under me. And I take the ball, you know, I'm sitting down on the ground and throw it. I'm surprised I even made it to first base, mm. but I did. And I sailed it down the line. And I think that was like, you know, maybe the tying run and the go ahead run scored on that. And so it was like, ah, well, you know, Hey, we were, we were on top of the world yesterday. Today yeah. we are sitting in the, uh, in the mud in Baton Rouge uh-huh. and a bunch of people are laughing at you. Yeah. So, so it can happen like that. 
Well, it's it's good to not blame everything on the first baseman Jordan McFarland. That's that's really thought. That's a good yeah. teammate. He did he 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 did his best to grab the ball, and he and he you know wasn't able to get there, yeah. and you know the ride could have been the runner running in front and everything mm-hmm. else. There's a lot going on in yeah. that type of play. So yeah. for sure, who was who was your favorite teammate you got to play with in your three years at Fayetteville? Oh man. I don't, know, I don't know if I can say that. I'm, I'm getting in trouble, man. So I'm going to to this. Uh, I would say the guy I hung out with the most through school was probably uh, Barrett Lowski. Okay. We got drafted back-to-back picks. We were great buddies, uh, big back-into-the-bullpen guys. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we were, we were really good friends. Still are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So jumping back to the minor leagues, what what is a normal week like in the minor leagues? All right. Like so, I want the, the honest, <laughs> transparent, like we yeah. like everything. Uh, so in Arizona, it's hot um, and you go out there all the time. Uh, you, you're out there all day long, but you, you'll show up to the field probably like one o'clock. Game will be at seven. So you'll do a bunch of uh, drills and, and treatment and you'll work out or whatever else. And you get done with the game about 10 o'clock. Come back, shower, grab the van back to the hotel, done at 11. So your day is pretty much, you know, 1 to 11, 10-hour day um, in Arizona. And then when I was in Eugene, and this is what it'll be more like uh, for the other affiliates as I kind of progress through the minor leagues. Um, but we would get there at like 3 or 3.30, and then the game would be at 6.30 or 7. Um, and we would, you know, take PFPs or, or uh, do like cuts and relay. Typically do like one defensive thing. And then the guys would take batting practice and you shag, um, get your running in, get your workout in or whatever. And then game will go to 10, get back on the bus to the hotel after the game, get back about 11, go out and get some food or something. Um, but a typical week is, is basically seven of those days, uh, no off days and throw in, um, you know, two or three, you know, eight to 12 hour bus trips across the country in the middle of the night and yeah you've got it yeah so not not getting a lot of sleep not a whole lot of sleep not a whole lot of um you know i mean the meals on the road are sometimes they prepare them for us and you can get some good yeah. nutrition mm-hmm. uh, but otherwise a lot of times you're left to uh find some fast food or something yeah. in the town that you're at I'll stand on the topic of food you've you've been in northwest arkansas for 23 and a half years i'm a lifer you're a lifer what is your favorite or what what is in the elite level of restaurants okay s plus category right here the very top yeah uh we've got definitely shogun shogun hibachi man you just sit out there they make the food for you Mm -hmm. right there in front of you man you can just you can smell it your your palate is so ready by the time it hits the plate it, it's really unlike anything else. Mm-hmm. Great dining experience, man. Amazing. You know, other than obviously CJ Butcher Boys Burgers. Uh, it's a plug. It's a plug. <laughs> uh, I also love Doe's. I think Doe's is great. Yeah. Um, man, there's a ton of places. I could I could list off a million, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put those two in the in the very very top. Yeah. Uh, might throw Bordinos in there as well. Yeah. Catfish hole. Yeah. Mojitos. Where? Stuff a lot. Where does the for the recruiting trips like with Dave Van Horn does or some of the teammates do they take like say the five star recruit tomorrow right. was coming into town right where where would the coaching staff or the players where would he go so it has always been 
you know, as far as I know, does. So mm-hmm. I went on my on my visit. I went to Doe's. Whenever I had a guy come in, I, I had Costi was my Costi uh, Shock mm-hmm. was my uh, little you know high school senior that yeah. came in and uh, kind of you know watched me or I kind of took him around town mm-hmm. for the day. Um, yeah. And we went to Doe's, and they have like a little altered menu where they they give you like mm-hmm. three or four choices. But I think I got like a pound and a half <laughs> T-bone or something. It was it was delicious both times. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. So post uh, quarantine and post COVID, how have you been staying in shape? Six feet apart and with social distancing. Oh yeah, yeah. Course. Obviously, obviously, six feet apart. Yeah. Always a mask. Wearing everything mask. like that uh-huh. for sure, for sure. Especially when I'm running. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been throwing with Hunter Wood. He's a guy from around here. He's in the big leagues. Uh, plays for the Indians. I throw yeah. with him uh, almost every day. And then uh, we got another group of guys. So me, Hunter, um, Jalen Beeks from Arkansas. Uh, Ty Tice is a guy from around here, but I think he played at uh, UCA. And then Zach Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all kind of get together and pin a couple times a week, throw bullpens. Um so that's kind of the throwing aspect, uh, weightlifting. I haven't been able to get in at the university, right? Cause everything's shut down. Uh, so I, we've got a little weight room at home, um, some dumbbells and a bench and everything else. So I've kind of got enough, um, yeah. to get what I need in and then running. I'll, you might see me running around campus sometimes. So I, I do that. And then I'll also, uh, run sprints sometimes as well, yeah. but that's been pretty much that. I saw, I, th- I want to say it was your Twitter. You, okay. you posted a video. And you were throwing a, a mean fastball. Okay. And I, I, it looked faster than it's ever been. Yeah. Um, do, do you want to talk about that and maybe coming off injuries if you're feeling healthier than ever? For sure. No, I definitely, I mean, I feel great. I mean, I had a lot of back injuries, had a lot of trouble with all that, trying to keep everything uh, normal. Yeah. Um, but of late, I've been able to kind of figure out how to manage it and, and live with it and not let it really hinder me. Um, and I've made a couple mechanical changes uh, as far as stuff I do in my delivery. I, I get in my back leg quite a bit more, um, and then I block my front side slightly longer, and kind of putting those two things together has given me a couple miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I was definitely, I was kind of always a guy, you know, at Arkansas, my freshman year, I was like 87 or like 86 or something. I, I would never get recruited to play at Arkansas now again. I'm so glad I got in when I did because I they would not have recruited me. Um, but help me out. Where were we? Uh, just talking about how fast you're throwing. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's uh, Yeah, it's really come along now. Um, I, I was always a guy, you know, maybe the last couple of years to be 90, 92, maybe top out at like 93 every once in a while if I really root back. Now my average fastball is probably 92.5. Um, so yeah, kind of 92, 94, mm-hmm. uh, I can reach up and, and, and hit a couple higher numbers yeah. there, but, uh, that's kind of where I live now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the sport that people, I don't want to say we need right now, cause there's other more important things going on, but right. why, why isn't there being an, an MLB season this year? What is it that the players and the owners cannot agree on? Money. <laughs> yeah. um so the players i think at first they were wanting to try to do like a prorated deal of you know say if you're a guy making major league minimum which is like you know 550k whatever mm-hmm. you got a hundred and however many games yeah. basically works out to like three grand a game so they were like hey if we can play half a season right and say we get 80 games in 
I want my three grand every game. For a guy like Mike Trout, it's more like three hundred grand <laughs> or something every game, right? Um, not quite that much, but <laughs> but uh, that so the the players were were wanting to do something like that. Um, the owners are like, hey, here's the deal. You know, we pay you what we pay you per game because we get the TV revenue, we get people in the seats, we're selling concessions. You know, there's a, a, a big, there's a lot of economic mm-hmm. stuff going on around a baseball yeah. park as well, other than just you know the price of admission. Um, so the owners are trying to say, hey, you guys have got to give a little bit as well. We can't pay you what we were going to pay you if nobody's you know going to sit in the stands. Yeah. Um, the players were kind of angry because they had agreed, you know, in the past to to a deal that was going to be the prorated type of deal. Um, and then, but kind of the owners, I don't think they really uh, knew the scope of everything that all, you know, the COVID and everything would, would um, how debilitating it would be yeah. to, uh, to kind of having a season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're trying to get a little bit more players are trying to get a little bit more and they're just fighting back and forth about it. Um, one proposal was kind of the sliding scale where the guys making the minimum would still basically get their full pay for uh, the number of games played. But a guy that was making 30 million, a Scherzer, a Trout, a, you know, any, any of these big guys would, would have made instead of 30 million, they would make like $5 million. Yeah. Um, so players didn't go for that. They, I don't think they even responded. If I, if I remember, if I read that right on Twitter, um, but then they came back now. I think the, I think the new deal that the owners are talking about right now is saying, Hey, we'll do the prorated thing where we'll pay you whatever you made per game, but they only want to play 50 games at that point. It's like, man, (laughs) You know, if if you start off hot yeah. in a fifty game season, you're automatically in the playoffs. Yeah. If you start off cold, you're automatically yeah. disqualified. It's like yeah. I don't really feel like the sample size mm-hmm. is there. And if you know, they were talking about a hundred and fourteen game plan, and there's the eighty game plan, now a fifty game plan. Yeah. It's like, man, season's slipping away. We yeah. need to negotiate. Let's figure yeah. something out. How long does it take? It's it's perfect. It's perfect that you're a pitcher. How long would it take you to be ready for a season? Uh, from what condition? Where am I? From right, if right now Twitter came through with a notification saying the season's going to start as soon as the pitchers are able to be ready, like I'm how ready long? to go? You're right ready now. right now. I'm ready right now. Yeah. So what about for you? If you were like flashback a month ago, maybe, and you were just sitting on your couch, yeah, doing absolutely nothing. Right. For, from then, how long would it take you to be ready? Okay. Well, I I, I haven't stopped necessarily okay. working, but if we're going to say you know I come off of a break. Um, you know, I usually in the off season, I'll give myself a month or two mm-hmm. um, from that point to being game ready, which I'm sure some guys have said, oh, we're not having a season. You know, yeah. I don't have to do anything. Yeah. Well, if they if they flip the switch yeah. and, and the season's back on, those guys are going to be up the creek. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, because, you know, it would it, it probably takes me a good two, two and a half months from the time I really start. If I if I were at a standstill and I, and I need to get to completely ready. Probably two, two and a half months. Yeah. Yeah. Have there been any plans, um, any proposals that you've seen that you've enjoyed or not enjoyed, but that you think are pretty realistic or is there uh, one in your head that you're like, man, if only the players asked for this and if only the owners that asked this, then we could make something work. Right. Um, it's tough. There's so much to consider. Um, I don't think I've seen a plan where I was like, that's perfect. You know, that's the, 
if both sides are a little bit angry, then it's probably the right deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both sides are irate all yeah. the time. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I think, man, if they if they were able to get it to where you know the players want the prorated salary and they want to play 114 games, and that's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the owners are willing to give that salary at 50 games. Maybe if they met in the middle somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if they played at 80 games, yeah. 85 games, something like that, where everybody got the prorated salary. So it's like you still got to play essentially half a season, um, and you got about half of the money that you were expected to get, what you signed for. Um, you know, I feel like that would be a good compromise. They're not asking to play 114 games and get you know almost 75 percent of their salary or anything yeah. like that. It's it's more like let's let's play half and then you know even if there was something where guys making the minimum that maybe um would would need that money a little bit more um, yeah. if if they were able to get their full pay i think the guys at the top would would do a little bit of sliding scale mm-hmm. obviously if you were going to make 30 and you expect <laughs> to make 15 in half a season and it's 5 Mm-hmm. Those guys are going to be pretty angry. Yeah. But you also, you know, the guys, I mean, some of these guys, a lot of these guys have got families or whatever. And, and if you're a guy that just broke into the league and you're, you're super excited, kind of like Hunter, my buddy that I, that I throw with of like, he's been up and down for the last two years. He was expected to start out on the roster this year for the big leagues. It's like, he was going to be, you know, ready to make 550 K. Now it's looking like it's either going to be 250 or it's going to be, you know, 150 or it's going to be zero. Um, and he's got kids, you know, it's like, um, so there's, there's a lot of guys that not, everybody's not making $10 million. Uh, some of the guys have been struggling away in the minor leagues for seven or eight years and they just made it. Mm -hmm. And those are the guys that are really taking the, uh, the big hit here. Yeah. Um, so as a, as a player, could you, I've seen, I think LeBron James mentioned a few, a couple months ago, he said, there's no way he could play without fans. Uh, how big of a factor for you is it to play in front of fans? I definitely would say I get more excited. I get more um, hyped up when there are fans. However, you know, I mean, I played in the AZL and rookie ball, whatever, there's never any fans. It's just your teammates sit up there. It's kind of, it's like a scrimmage, like fall ball at Arkansas or something. Um, So, I mean, I've already had to kind of learn to play without fans and, and kind of control how, you know, I have to, you know, hype myself up a little bit more than than a game where there's ten thousand at bomb and yeah. it's easy. You just mm-hmm. go in there and you get the butterflies. And you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, the games where there's zero people in the stands, it, it is a little bit more difficult yeah. to to get in that same headspace. Yeah. yeah. Was was Bomb Stadium the best atmosphere in all of college baseball? That hands down, in? hands down, and it's not even close. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. I, I really enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed playing at Mississippi State, the old one and the new one, both of them. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were both really nice. Um, LSU was a fun place to play just because it's such a hostile environment. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss, same type of thing. I'm trying to think. A&M, similar, where they do the ball one, ball yeah. two, all that yeah. kind of stuff. They, they really get into it. Mm-hmm. All the places that had really good fan support were super fun to play at mm-hmm. just because uh, you know there's just energy in there, a lot yeah. of energy in the, in the yeah. ballpark. And last question before I go, I had uh, your good buddy Ryan Folks on um, oh, yeah. a few days ago. Um, who is the better League of Legends player? Oh, man. It's, it's, so the game's broken up by roles. 
So, I mean, Ryan is the better support player and I'm the better, you know, ADC. So I, I'll just, I will just say it's, it's 50, 50 split. I'm not throwing him under the bus. He's uh he's great. I, I, we're both actually pretty bad. We're both, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're both pretty bad at the game. We just really enjoy it. Um, but I'd, I'd say we're right about you. Yeah. Are there any current or former hog teammates that you've played with that are better than you and Ryan? Um, or are you? Yeah. Got- I mean, I really haven't played. The only other player I've played with is Lyle, uh, who's just signed to come mm-hmm. in uh, this next year. Yeah. And he's pretty good. So, I mean, he's probably better than us. Mm-hmm. So maybe him. Yeah. Are yeah. you an Xbox or a PlayStation guy? Neither. Come on, man. Oh, you guys Come are the on, PC. PC. The PC, PC gamers. gamers. Oh, <laughs> I was going to tell you, give a give a shout out to your gamer tag. Uh, but... Hey, if you play something with crossplay, we'll uh, I'll add you. Yeah. We'll figure something yeah. out. Yeah. All right. Well, Jake, thanks for the time. Um, that'll wrap up episode five of Racebackology Talks, and we will see you next time.